Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation as in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. Well, Heidi, um, you and I are always talking, you know, I'm getting a little older and you and I are always talking about how uh, much confusing affairs are and, you know, um, and how much we don't know. And I know my brother-in-law died a few years ago and trying to sort out everything, all the um, websites, all everything that goes on, all the insurance, it, it's really uh, difficult. Yes. In fact, I just had a friend that's father died. I mean, like two days ago. And he said, he's the executor. And he said, Heidi, I looked at the stuff and all of a sudden they need to know like the plot number of the house that he owns. And he goes, they, he said, they need so much information. He said, not only do I not have it, but I don't even know where to go to get it because mm -hmm. so many questions unanswered and information that would have been really easy for his dad to have gotten very quickly, but he, mm -hmm. didn't, he didn't do that. So yeah, it really, I think people, uh, you know, don't realize how hard it is for the survivors after, you know, dealing with affairs. I mean, you want to be able to grieve. You don't want to be sorting out social security numbers, for goodness sakes. Well, we've got a great guest on today who's going to help us uh, think about those kind of things. Yes, we do. And it'll be interesting to talk with her and get some ideas and information for everybody out there. Her name is Kel McBride. And she is known, Mom, as the lively death lady. <laughs> I love that. And uh, she is a death and dying educator. She brings clients together to talk about, you know, how to plan, how to make plans mm. in the event that you will eventually die because all of us someday are going to die. Right. Um, that's a given. So how to prepare in advance. Like you said, you're not leaving loved ones with a lot of stuff that they need to do when they should be grieving. Mm -hmm. And she also just told us that she is, she runs and creates death festivals. And they're, they're before I die death festivals. That's what they are. So we'll talk to her about that as well. So welcome to the show, Kel. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Well, Kel, um, how did you get started in the field of, uh, what, do you, what do you call the field? Death and cyberspace are kind of what we're talking about today. So I've been talking about death and cyberspace since a program that we did at the Before I Die Festival in Louisville, Kentucky two years ago that we repeated last year as well. It was all about making sure that your online legacy is safe and secure after you die. And in part of that, we included information about how to create the best obituaries that were a little bit less susceptible to identity theft, which is a pretty oh. likelihood for people who've just recently died. Wow. wow. Something I didn't, I never thought about that. Did you, Mom, about identity yes. theft? I hadn't thought about that either and, and cre creating obituaries. That, what, what are some of the things that you need to do about the obituaries? Well, I think it's helpful to realize like anytime you pull up an obituary, there's so many pieces of information that would be, you know, for someone who does hacking of accounts or black hats that basically are illegal and unethical actors that utilize information to get access to our finances. And in our obituaries, frequently there's our full name, there's our age, sometimes we've even got our street addresses, legal business addresses, and oh my gosh, how many times do we have mother's maiden name? Mm -hmm. And that's one of those pieces of information that really gives hackers access to information that are, give us our, our financial legacy. So we really want to make sure that people can provide a discrete obituary that's even better because it highlights who that person is, their values, their morals, and what they did in life rather than just a list of people that they left behind and businesses or organizations they may have been a part of. 
You know, I, w- I was looking at your information and I noticed that you work a lot with younger people too. I mean, how do you talk to people who, I mean, I'm in my late 70s. People can talk to me about dying and I don't get freaked out about it. Or my husband. I mean, we can talk about it. But what do you do when you've got somebody? I mean, my son was 18 when he died. I certainly, you know, would never have talked to him about it. But particularly when people start getting assets. Not only am I not prepared, but I have a... My mom might be comfortable talking about her death, but I'm not comfortable talking to my mother about her death. <laughs> That's the other piece about it, right? Right, and, right. And I definitely don't want to talk about my own death. I mean, I have a 13-year-old daughter, so I don't even want to go there. So it's interesting. I mean, how do you, like my mom, how do you get people to even engage in that kind of conversation? So my ideal clients tend to be 25 to 65. So I'm looking for younger individuals because I'm very aware of the reality that one in four of us, we don't make it to 65. So I want to make sure that younger individuals have a plan in place. I mean, the work that you guys do around grief, you understand that a younger death is even more traumatic for the people left behind. So that plan that they leave behind for their family, I consider it a true gift. And it's the gift that you can give when your family wants you most. And you know, people talk about that, oh, nobody wants to talk about death and dying. And as one of my collaborators with the Before I Die Festival noted, that people say that, but as soon as we bring it up, next thing we know, we're in the middle of a 20 minute conversation at a cocktail party. So that as well as these Before I Die festivals that we're utilizing, it's a great way to include the ideas of death and dying in a celebratory, fun, engaging process. So for example, the one that we're doing in Bloomington in this November, it's got a comedy event, it's got theater, it's got dance. It's all these different ways to look at death and dying rather than just you need your documents in order. Um, And I find that most of my clients get really excited about the idea of having a funeral and body disposition that's unique and honors their values and morals. And that's where their passion comes, as well as, of course, understanding they don't want to be a burden to their family when they die. So they really believed in pre-planning. And I find that I don't really have as much problems getting clients as I thought I might, Mm-hmm. because once I give people the opportunity and the space, they need that space and they realize that it's important. And it's like you said, there become times when it becomes more important. They get a new raise, they have a child, they buy a house, mm-hmm. they have a divorce or a marriage. Those little indicators in their life make them say, Ooh, what if I died? And I find that those are when most of my clients come to me. You know, the, the amazing thing is, I don't know, maybe, you know, the percentage wise, but, um, a lot of people don't even have wills. I mean, and my husband is always very much telling our daughters, please have a will, please have a will. You know, it's important. People need to know, you know, what you want, your, where you, ki- you want your kids to go, what you want, you know, to happen. It's so important to have a will. Hasn't dad always said that to you, Hyde? Yes, and when I had my first child, my son, and he's now 20, my father called me and said, and I didn't have a will. He's like, you need to get a will right now, Heidi. Um, you have a child and it's really important. And I did do it. I did follow through, but it, with, with his prodding, um, because like you said, Cal, I mean, things can happen. I mean, I worked with 9-11 families for 10 years and it, in the fire department and they were all very young widows whose firefighter husbands died in the World Trade Center. And a lot of them didn't have wills and it created a lot of issues. I work with my clients and try to encourage them to do progress, not perfection. Even if they just have- Oh, I like that. I want to say that again. Progress, not not perfection. perfection. I love that. Because it's daunting. Yeah. Even if they just have a one-page document that they wrote out by hand that says some really basic information that's signed, it's something. There's a lot of things that I always include to my clients because there's so many different aspects. There's your 
you know, what do you want kind of healthcare do you want? What kind of funeral do you want? What do you want to have happen to your body as well as what do you want to have happen to your things? And when you're thinking about someone who's 35, 45 years old, they generally just have some really basic guidelines. Yeah. Please don't keep me attached to machines for months. Mm -hmm. Please don't bury me. I'd rather be cremated. Please make sure my great grandmother's ring goes to my daughter and that my family and my husband and my daughter get all of my house and assets split 50-50. You can write all of that even yeah. on one piece of paper. Yeah. So it's something, it's some guidance for the family if something goes wrong. Of yeah. course, ideally we want full documentation, ideally work with a lawyer. At the same time though, something is better than nothing. So and I always encourage- Maybe my passwords could be written down too. Oh yeah. I provide a, a document for my clients to write in all their different passwords. I highly encourage password managers like LastPass. So instead of having to have 30, 50, 90 passwords written somewhere, you just have that one password that gives them access to everything. Um, I think that's one of the big messages I give my clients to make things a lot easier. The other thing that I help them with is even if they just have minimal things written down, I'm sure you guys have run into this issue, it's more about does your family understand your wishes and desires? Right. You can have everything on paper, but if number one, they don't know where the paper is, or number two, they disagree with it, then you're gonna have problems. But if you express your desires and wishes in person to your family before you need it, it's a calmer situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder, it would, it would be kind of hard. Heidi and I, you know, and you, we're working in the grief and loss area. We're used to talking about it. But I'm thinking for a family out there who's not, suddenly somebody who's in their 50s is going to sit down with their parents and with everybody and say, you know, if I should die. And people, uh, there's that idea that if you talk about it, it draws it to you, you know. Right. And it would be silly. It doesn't draw it to you. Yeah. There's a great educator, um, Gail Rubin out of New Mexico, that has a fabulous quote. Yeah, we know Gail. Oh, I know yeah. her. She was Which wearing is, like the best stuff at ADAC. She was all dressed yeah. up in like skeletons and really cool outfits, and she's great. She's got a great quote that says, talking about sex doesn't make you pregnant, talking about death doesn't kill you. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Because as my past, I used to be a sexuality educator and a birth educator. And now as a deaf educator, I love that full circle aspect of that quote. <laughs> wow. Now, how did you get into the field of deaf education? I mean, did you have a loss that made you come into that area? It's more so that I've been a life cycle educator, that I help people deal with sexual health issues. I've helped people deal with birth issues. And I really wanted to get into death and dying education before I got older and couldn't connect with individuals at 35 to 65 year old age range. I wanted to give the opportunity for people to have fun with this process. So many people who do death education do focus on individuals or 70, 80, 90 cancer patients and the like, and they have to be very calm and polite in their messaging. I'm kind of goofy and irreverent. There's <laughs> kinds of crazy examples. We have fun. We joke around. I want to make death and dying education accessible and calming for individuals who don't feel like they need it yet. You know, I want to make it something that you just do real quick. You get some information written down, and then you know you've got something. Again, that progress, not perfection. Some of my clients just get two or three pages written down. Some of them come up with huge binders of notebooks of information that they want to make sure that they share. I, I was going to say my husband very wonderfully um, has been working on a whole uh, booklet for me, you know, a whole binder, and he's keeping it up to date, you know, with everything that uh, all of our finances and all of our, we've worked on it together. So we, 
won't have a, a difficult time when one of us passes away because uh, the other one, as far as I'm concerned, should enjoy life. And honestly, it takes a year or two for people to straighten their yeah. affairs out. Yeah. Depending on the plan left behind. Yeah. 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 If you don't leave a plan behind it, it's a, it's a long process. One of the really? struggles I see that when I've talked to medical professionals is the fact that younger people don't have living wills. It's not right. something to consider when we're thinking about healthcare. Generally, people who are encouraged to have a living will, again, are more likely to be dying in the immediate future. They think it's more likely. But for someone who's in a death and dying situation when they're younger, that living will has so much more value. Regretfully, a lot of the living wills we have are marketed and designed for people who are about to die. And I've created one that I like to call the living well. Medical. A living well, I like that. <laughs> because it's for people who are healthy and they believe they have decades of life left. And it includes issues that are more relevant for someone who's 30. Things like, if I were to get in a severe accident and I'm pregnant, I would prefer that you make the choice of either my life or oh, my wow. life. Or, you know, how long would you want to be kept attached to machinery if you happen to be in a coma? Like, when would you feel comfortable with that? What's your definition of recovery? What's your definition of a full, healthy, healthy, happy life? What would you be willing to endure or not endure? Those little nuances of what health means to us at a younger age are very different than someone who just says, do not resuscitate. Mm -hmm. You know, tumors are not necessarily something that people in their 40s sign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, these are pretty heavy duty thoughts. I'm still fascinated that you do it with uh, fun and, and <laughs> tell us about your website and the things that you tell people and where it is uh, currently I am in a website redesign like so many individuals it's clearlydepart.com that's my, my name and business clearly depart um, I always want to make sure that people have a clear path for departure and I'm getting ready to do a new online program that will be available through that program probably in the fall where people can run through this whole process with fun and lively videos with me, interviews with professionals, journaling activities, and the gift, which is, again, this document that you work on with this information to leave for your family. A big chunk of that is about communication and making sure that your family knows your wishes. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot right now, a lot of my energy and efforts are putting together the Before I Die Festival in Louisville, Kentucky, and working on the new one in Bloomington, Indiana, and starting and working with this trend of Before I Die Festivals around the world. Wow, wow. That's, that sounds great. And people who are fascinated with this whole idea are going to be able to find you on your website, correct? Correct. You can find me at Before I Die Festival, I'm sorry, Before I Die Fest Lou or clearlydepart.com. Kel, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, thanks everybody for watching the show today. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Kelly, always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own.